Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Ponchito Ojeda, and joining me tonight is Auburn head coach, J.J. Arminio. Coach, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, in that whole pre-show call, I did not ask you how to enunciate your game. Did I say it right? There you hit it. Spot on. Whew. It's a lot easier than it looks. I'm sure you get that a lot, though. I Well, I was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my last name's come out a few different ways, <laughs> but that's okay. It's good. It's good. How's how's life down in Alabama? Everything's good, man. We uh, we're pretty much open for business. Uh, everything is kind of rolling as was pre-coronavirus. Um, obviously, everybody's taking more precautions, but uh, restaurants, stores, everything's kind of back open. So it's kind of life as as normal down here. Nice. That's awesome, dude. I'm. Pumped to hear that, and uh, and then you you're the proud dad of two little ones, right? I got two little boys, uh, four and a half and two and a half. Van's my oldest, and Anderson is the youngest. And then we've got number three on the way, due end of October. Wow, let's go! And we're not gonna, a- we're not going to find out, so we don't know boy or girl yet. We're going to wait. That's awesome. So you're just building your own little lacrosse team right there. You got to have enough for three by right in the backyard. Uh, yeah, I mean we're we're. We're working on a basketball team, and I think that's where we're going to stop. But we can maybe get like a little box lacrosse team going or something. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're we're one short. We only have two little ones, and uh, the the law has been set down that this is the end, um, which is probably just as well. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, you're in the throes of good times, man. That four and a half, two and a half, those are some fun ages. I really enjoy it. So uh, they're they're fun kids. The, I've been regulated to dad duty with you know, lacrosse camps and, and season being canceled. So they, uh, we test each other's patience a lot, but uh, it's, it's when you reflect on it, it's been nice during a period of time when I'm usually gone every week um, to be home with them and, and enjoy the pool and, and kind of all the cool things that we don't usually get to do while we're coaching and, and doing all that. So it's been good. Yeah, a whole new level of appreciation for the uh, stay-at-home parent role, right? Oh, man. I mean, all these, you know, I, me and the neighborhood moms that are around joke, you know, in our yoga pants every day. And, you know, <laughs> I haven't worn pants with a button on them since this all started. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm just one of the moms now, man. I just fit right in. We drink wine at 4 o'clock because the kids are driving us nuts. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm not sure which is worse, the uh, no button or yoga pants. Both pictures are things that I'm not sure I want to see again, but yeah. <laughs> uh, can't unsee that now. No. Uh, but uh, hey, so talking lacrosse, you know, you guys, you know, we'll kind of talk about uh, your story. But before we do that, you know, Auburn was off to a good start this year. Big win over uh, Utah Valley. Um, how was the season looking for you guys? You feeling like it was going to be kind of that year that catapults over to the, the next level? Yeah, man, we were we were ready. We we felt like we had, and I, I heard you talking to Garrett about it too. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people were kind of in that situation where they felt like we were hitting our stride. We had really come together as a team. Um, you know, we we had that letdown with Florida right after um, the Utah Valley game, which you know, coaching eighteen to twenty two year olds, you really never know what you're going to get. Um, and, you know, of course, they had seen the, the Georgia Tech score against Utah Valley um, right before we went out and played Florida. So they probably thought they were a little bit better than, than we actually were. Um, but we, we responded nicely. We went down to Pensacola 
um, had two tough games against Western Michigan and TCU. And then that was it. We kind of said goodbye. We had two more practices, I think, before the boys went on spring break. And then it was kind of understood, like, boys, go have your fun because when we come back, like, it's it's the season. You know, it's all divisional games. And we were looking to make a run at playoffs. And then middle of the week while they're all on spring break, God knows where. I mean, I had kids in Jamaica. I had kids in Utah skiing. I had kids down in Florida um, and it, it all got kind of canceled. And a lot of them haven't even been back to Auburn since then because uh, the dorms have been closed. And now, you know, my Northeast kids are struggling to get out of wherever they are um, to get down here and get all their stuff out of the dorms. So it was weird. It was a lot of texting and phone calls and just trying to catch up with everybody and make sure everybody was was good and understood and was ready to attack it whenever we could get back. So feel like we left some on the table. It, it's never easy when, you know, you feel like the decision's made for you and you don't really get to at least try to, uh, to end your season the right way. But, you know, as with life, you got to just kind of roll with the punches and accept it. And um, I think it'll make us all much more appreciative of cold January practices and hot April practices. Right on. Yeah, it's uh... – I must say uh, I'm very thankful for the fact that I got to be with my team when it kind of all went down, when like the news was kind of coming out. So um, I can't imagine being in your shoes and having all those guys spread about, not knowing what's going to be the the kind of end result. Because like, when it when it first broke, you know, none of us knew like is it at the end of the season or is this like just like a couple weeks? Right. Like, I kind of thought it was like all right, April we'll start playing games again, and it was like all of a sudden it was like all right, I won't see anyone until like uh, maybe September. When that NBA announcement went down, I was like, ooh, okay. Just got real. Just got serious. Because if, yeah. if they're canceling Final Four and then the NBA and or March Madness, not Final Four, March Madness and the NBA games, like there's a lot of money there that that some rich people are forfeiting. So this must be must be pretty real. But We'll uh, we'll bounce back. I I only graduated four guys, um, so I get pretty much the core of my group back, and um, we got some exciting freshmen coming in that I know about. And um, as is the case with all MCLA, you get those surprises that just show up on campus, and you're like, "Man, awesome! Glad you're here." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to get those phone calls or see those kids come out for tryouts. So, um, but let's take a step backwards and look back kind of on the history of, of of you and like your story. Um, you know, I've been doing it. You obviously have listened to a couple of these, and it's it's so fun to look, to hear like where people started and how they've gotten to where they are. And I think the MCLs is filled with with guys who have such a passion for lacrosse. So. I'm excited to hear your story. So, you know, I know you graduated high school from Centennial High School in, in 2005. You want to tell us a little bit about that experience? Um, and for, for those on the who didn't talk to you in the free show, Centennial High School is in Atlanta, Georgia, right? North Northwest suburbs, you said? Yeah, yeah. It's about 45 minutes north of, of the city. Um, and I really grew up kind of all sports kids, soccer, baseball, football. Um, lacrosse was not an option. Um, at least in my circle, and um, kind of picked up football as like my middle school sport and, and 
had excelled at it enough, but when it came time to go to high school football, you know, I was probably a hundred pounds soaking wet and five foot seven, five foot eight. So didn't really scream football athlete. And I was getting my butt kicked up and down the field in spring ball. So I figured it was time to hang up my cleats as far as football goes. So I didn't really know what I was going to do in high school. Um, and then the summer before high school, I kind of got introduced to lacrosse. Um, the, the neighborhood swim coach for our team actually played at UGA. Um, and so he got me my first stick and we just spent all summer kind of throwing it around and I just fell in love with it, man. And I remember watching the final four with him that year. I think that was when Navy kind of made their run against Syracuse and, um, you know, it was just kind of watching this sport I'd never seen before. And it had all the aspects of all the sports I had played growing up. Um, and so I just, I, I fell in love with it, worked hard at it, um, was fortunate enough to have some division three offers coming out of high school. But as a Southern kid who grew up with family going to Auburn and, um, you know, knowing what the sec was and, and everything I wanted to get out of college. Once we found out Auburn had a, uh, club team, it was kind of sign sealed delivered when those division three schools were, were smaller than my high school. It was hard to uh, hard to make that choice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's a a big challenge for a lot of players who are considering themselves schools. Is like, do I want to go chase that NCAA dream, or is the club team at this school going to be enough to satisfy my competitive spirit? Um, you know, I think I think if more guys do their research, they'll find that it's the NCAA is pretty pretty darn competitive. So, uh, so you end up at Auburn, and you know, what, what was the Auburn experience like? Auburn was great, man. It, um, it exceeded my expectations for sure. Um, we never had a coach, um, except that that was like one of our peers that was, had happened to be there for their fifth year, but was out of eligibility. So I had a different quote unquote coach every year, but it was like one of our buddies. Um, and then my senior year, we had a grad student come in from St. Louis, um, and was just kind of like, hey, I'm here for two years. I've got experience in lacrosse. Would love to be y'all's coach. And we were kind of like, yeah, cool, sounds good. But you know, we kind of got this thing going, so just don't get in the way, kind of deal. Um, but he was great for us. And you know, obviously, being a program run by 18 and 22 year olds, you know, we were. We were serious. We took it seriously. We wanted to win games. We wanted to make a statement, but um, but we had a little bit more fun than we probably should have at times as well. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's. Yeah, I love hearing those stories, right? It's like, how do you get from the sort of serious guys who win sometimes, but can't win like the big ones yet because they're too busy out on a Friday night to like making that jump to national national tournament status, you know, on a year over year basis. So yeah, we're still working. We're still trying to find that. I think we show up some days and then other days, you know, girlfriends are calling at the date party before the night before a big game. And, you know, sometimes the girlfriend's voice is a little louder than coach's voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that'll happen. So, um, so you, so you, you have a good experience at Auburn. You head back to Atlanta afterwards and, and you start selling gear. 
Um, tell us about like what would you? How was that? Was it fun? Did you like selling gear? I did. I did. It was. Uh, it was nice to kind of just shoot the breeze and and talk lacrosse and you know starting starting my starting lacrosse so late in my development. You know, I by the time I finished college, I was still like. I was as hungry as ever. Like I was so mad that I was graduating. I kept wanting to play. Um, I just wanted to be engrossed in the game somehow. Um, but really hadn't found like coaching as my, my thing yet. So got a job with lax world, um, based out of Baltimore selling gear throughout the Southeast and, um, and loved it. You know, I got to hang out with different coaches and different programs and kind of just see the ins and outs. And then, you know, it was fun when you saw a team that you had supplied all their gear, you know, win, win some games. And, um, so that was cool. And then, um, you know, obviously lax world was a big sponsor of the MCLA. So I got to go to uh, a couple of the MCLA national tournaments when they were in Greenville. Um, and that's kind of where the juices really started flowing as far as getting back into it and, and wanting to coach, um, as I had never been to nationals as a player, um, it was definitely a goal of ours, but, um, you know, we got bounced out of the SELC tournament, um, in the semifinals, both my junior and senior year. So, um, you know, seeing just the, the atmosphere and kind of just the aura around the whole facility was just electric and, uh, made me want to be back in it in, in some capacity more than just selling gear. I wanted to, I wanted to get that brotherhood back with, with guys. So went begging to Ken Lovick at Georgia tech and said, let me, let me be part of this. And he said, well, I need a face off coach. And I said, great. I played attack my whole life and I'll, I'll be your face off coach. So Greg Grimlin has been, uh, been, good to me and his YouTube videos. <laughs> I, I just faked it till I make it, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, half the battle with face off guys, right. It's just having someone to be there. Cause otherwise they just, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they do what face off guys do. They sit around and talk. About well, stuff. that's it. You know, I joke that, you know, as anybody else in Georgia tech history coached a uh, two time all American at the face off position, you know, we had Holland Frost who is just a freak of an athlete and, played football at Georgia tech his first couple of years. And then, um, you know, just decided, you know, it, it wasn't for him. He wasn't getting any field time. And so some of the guys in his fraternity that were on the lacrosse team convinced him to come back. And so he wasn't a technically sound face-off guy, but man, he, he knew enough to, if, if he wasn't going to beat you on the clamp, he was, he was faster than you and he was going to get that ball. Um, and so, you yeah. know, that's, I, I coached a two-time All-American face-off guy, and I've never taken a face-off in my life. There you go. Claim the fame, baby. So, Love it. Ken, Ken might take more credit for that than me, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Ken might have been standing there during all the face-off sessions, but we don't know that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's great, man. That's awesome. So you got a chance to be a part of Georgia Tech's uh, kind of ascent to the top of the MCLA, and you know, what was that like learning under coach Lovick, who obviously has been around the MCLA for 20 plus years and, you know, knows the ins and outs, you know, 
what would you say some of the things you learned from him? Uh, you know, I can't say enough about my time with Georgia Tech, and, and uh, hopefully I've told these guys as much um, off air. But, um, you know, my time with Ken and EJ and Matt, um, they had all been there a couple years. EJ had been there the longest with Ken, and then Matt had been some years before that. And uh, so for me to come in with zero coaching experience, um, you know, really just green behind the ears, they they tutored me a lot and and helped me grow as a coach, showed me, um, you know, how to care for the players more off the field than on the field. Um, and I feel like when, when guys feel that sincerity from you, um, you know, they're willing to play a little bit harder for you. And, and I think at the MCLA level, um, that's huge because a lot of those guys don't have to be on the, out on the field. Um, they're there for a lot of different reasons, and lacrosse is, you know, never the top, top reason. Um, but I got to see how a successful program is run. I got to see the dedication that it takes off the field, outside of practice, in the film room, um, and just the strategy it takes and, and the discipline it takes to, to want to be there. And all from the player's perspective, you know, you've got to, you've got to have a group of guys that want to do it. The coaches can't always just scream and holler or it starts to fall on deaf ears. You've really got to have those leaders as well. So, um, from the alumni group to Bob Shack, uh, to Ken, who's been doing it for years and, and EJ and Matt, I mean, you, you can't think of a better program to start with um, and just kind of sit and learn. And then, um, you know, I've tried to take a lot of what I saw and, and bring it to Auburn. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like it's, uh, you know, Georgia Tech has definitely created the blueprint for a lot of schools and particularly schools who have challenging academics to be successful at the MCA level. I mean, there's uh, them and, and Cal have really ascended as, as two of the top programs in the in the country to kind of set that standard. So it's uh, always good to learn from those types of coaches. Um, so what prompted you to take the Auburn job in, in 2018? Well, so we were, you know, fairly newly wed, my wife, Mary Tyler, and I, and, and we had had our first son, Van, and, you know, we both worked full time. I was selling gear and she was working at Shepherd Center as an occupational therapist. And so obviously our, our boy was in daycare and daycare alone, man, was was going to make us homeless. I mean, it was insane. And we wanted to Should just open. You're not kidding. Trust me. Uh, I've thought about it many times, but then I also hear some of the parents and, and their complaints as I'm dropping off the kids and. I want no part of that. Uh, yeah, we, my wife and I briefly talked about it when our, our daycare for our kids closed. And I was like, I just did some math. And I'm like, this is this is insane. Like, we should just start our own daycare. We only have to watch like three kids and we're already making money. Right. And my wife literally goes, she goes, no. And I'm like, come on. She's like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're not doing that. Like we were talking about at the beginning, stay at a new appreciation for stay-at-home moms, I, I want no part of watching other people's kids. My kids are hard enough, man. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so anyways, back to back to where you were. Yeah. At. So, so we were, you know, we were just kind of looking at, at different places to move. Um, it was never on my radar to 
say, look, I want to be a head coach somewhere. I definitely was not ready to be a head coach. Um, but Auburn had kind of presented itself as an option to us. And, um, you know, we kind of looked further into it and, you know, it was close enough to my home where we could get back and forth and still see my folks. Um, you know, Mary Tyler's parents were just about equidistant over in Mississippi and, but just the quality of life for us that, that we kind of lived. I mean, like I said, you know, we were kind of homebodies now. We weren't going downtown. We weren't going out to eat or out on the town on the weekends. Like, so living in the city was, you know, not necessarily an option, but we also couldn't move to like the suburbs of Atlanta because Mary Tyler worked downtown. So her commute would have just been awful. And obviously me trying to coach and commute to downtown Georgia tech would, would have been terrible. So, um, we actually packed up and moved to Auburn, um, January of 17, I think was my last season with Georgia tech. And so I actually stayed on because the, the group of guys that I had kind of started with were seniors that year. And so I commuted from Auburn to Georgia Tech uh, every day for practice and, and games on the weekend. So I really didn't live in Auburn until like May of 2017 after, uh, after Nationals that year, uh, just because I was back and forth. But like I talked about, you know, your relationships with those guys, you build a lot with them. And, um, I really felt like we were going to do something great in 17. Um, and I, I wanted to be on that ride with those guys. So it was worth it to me. Um, and we made a final four run and it was, it was awesome. You know, we Chapman will, will forever be that team, but, uh, you know, it, it was a great experience. So we end up in Auburn and, um, just through my connections of selling gear and, um, you know, trying to sell to Auburn as, as an alum, uh, you know, there was a very ambitious, uh, junior on the team and he caught wind that I was here and nagged me to no end to, to come coach. And so all of a sudden I was the head coach and really had no, no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. But, uh, like I said, Ken, Ken kind of took me under his wing and coached me up, if you will, on, on, you know, just what to expect and taking over a new team and, um, you know, seniors that had done it one way for a really long time. And now they're going to have somebody kind of, you know, running the show for them. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a great first year. I, I think we had a lot of buy-in. Um, it was unique and, um, you know, it's kind of just been getting better every year. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, there's, there's so many challenges at the MCA level that are kind of not related to lacrosse. Um, and I think that's challenges with any team, right? Like any college team, it's 18, 22 year olds, as you said earlier, but, uh, I think the MCA has unique ones in the sense that the players are challenged not only to you know, fundraise, but manage school and lacrosse and they're trying to have a social life. And, you know, especially at big schools like Auburn and tech and whatnot, there's, you know, even more outside pressure. So I think it's always a, a big challenge for coaches to kind of walk in and figure out how do you navigate the road of, you know, where do I set my, my, you know, I will not tolerate this versus tolerate that, you know, type of stuff. Yeah. So. You've got to have your, you've got to have your, 
you know, where do I draw my line in the sand and, and where am I not going to cross? But for me, I, you know, I think it's been a, a fairly smooth transition just because, I, you know, as I tell the guys all the time, I, I was you. Like I legitimately walked to this campus. I took some of the same classes you guys are taking. I played on the same field you guys are playing on. You know, I, I came to Auburn for the same reasons a lot of you guys did. Um, so that's kind of our goal is to, you know, it's, I want these kids to experience college to the fullest, whatever they want to get out of college. I want them to experience it. Um, but we kind of make it known like, Hey, it's not just to show up whenever you want to kind of club anymore. You know, we've, we've, my seniors or my guys that are going to be seniors this year will, were freshmen when I started. So this is kind of our culmination of all these guys are my guys now. Right. And, um, the seniors have been great. They've, they've really stepped up. They want to win. We haven't been to the playoffs yet. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the seniors now have been texting me going, coach, this is it. Like I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm working out like, let's, let's get it this year. So it's been good to see. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want that work life, you know, social balance, um, to be equal. Uh, but at the same time you want to win and, you know, otherwise what's it all for, you know, why are we spending this money? Why are we working hard? Why are we practicing from six to eight at night or eight to 10 at night? Right. Some nights, um, right. you know, if you, if we're just going to go out and get our face beat in. So it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a tough one. I mean, we, I always, I always ask in every recruiting phone call, you know, what do you want out of your college across experience? And uh, it's, you know, it's really funny to hear. There's a lot of different answers. You think everyone's going to say like, oh, I want to win a championship, right? Like you just kind of assume that's what every kid's thinking. But I can tell you I've heard that like twice. Yeah. All my calls, almost every other call is like, I want to play with guys that I like. I want to, you know, have a good time. I don't want to quit lacrosse. You know, and it's, um, I love the one you get, you get the text message after like meeting with a, with a family and, and the kid. And then the kid texts you, you know, five minutes after you leave and they're like, Hey, I didn't want to ask this in front of mom and dad, but like how many guys on the team are in fraternities? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's about 50% for us. And again, you know, I want them to be involved in whatever social or, you know, other activities they want to be in as long as it doesn't conflict with, with us in the spring. And so, you know, that's why our fall ball is kind of relaxed. Um, I got a question for you. So I hear the the term recruiting a lot in the MCLA and I always wonder, you know, to what level are guys, you know, quote unquote recruiting because I, you know, guys like Liberty, you know, they're out there and they've got the budget and they can go, recruit at camps and they run their own camp and stuff like that. So are you guys out there actively hitting guys up or is it more guys coming to you? Um, what do you guys do? Well, uh, you know, I can't give away the secret sauce. <laughs> no, you know, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in recruiting. I, uh, I, I told, so I started, I started recruiting a little bit when I was at Marquette. I kind of like towards my end of my career there, I started realizing I, I, you gotta, you gotta build it if you want to get good. 
Um, and that was just a learning process. I was only 24 at the time, so I didn't really know what I was doing. I still don't really know what I'm doing, but you know, I'm just a little better at baking it. Uh, so when I went to Sonoma State, I kind of realized recruiting was important, and so I just, you know, that's what I did. We didn't have any kids yet, and you know, I made phone calls from, you know, three o'clock to eight o'clock, you know, four or five days a week at least. Um, and my wife worked a job where she was gone, so it was great. So I was just on the phone all the time, and you know, that was what brought in that class in 2013. The seniors in 13 were already there, but the younger guys were mostly guys that I recruited and coach Carl, you know, he was a great closer. So I'd, I'd bring him in. He'd, he'd, he'd knock yeah. him down. Right. And it was a good little, um, tandem work there. And so, you know, I've always believed in that. And I think that's the way you got to do it. And, you know, sometimes you make mistakes in recruiting. Like sometimes you get the wrong guy or you don't ask the right questions. And in the MCLA, it's tougher, right? Like you probably can't talk to them, you know, 35 times like they do in division one, but you can definitely reach out and you can definitely make contact and, and so I, I believe that you, that's what you should do. And here at Tech has been a little different for me because we get so many incoming yes. recruits. Recruits, I mean inquiries. I shouldn't say recruits because there's a lot of guys that inquire that don't even come to tryouts. Um, and so, you know, it's a different animal. But I'm taking the same approach, right? Like every single guy that inquires, like they're getting a phone call. We're having a conversation and, and, uh, and we're seeing where that goes. And that's why I ask those questions. You know, I've got my kind of list of questions because... I also want to know like what type of person and are they going to work with me? Are they going to not work with me? Are they going to work with the guys in the program? You know, I mean, I've, I've had every answer from, you know, I want to win a championship. I'll do anything to, to win a championship to like, and eh, I don't want to show up and throw the ball around, you know, and it's like just setting an expectation for what, what they should expect, you know, because we talk about that a lot, right? That, Hey, we're going to balance your, your life. You know, you're going to be able to, to go to football games. You're going to be able to, you know, do basketball games and stuff, but, and you can do a frat, but at the same time, like if you're missing practice, well, maybe this isn't the right club for you. So, um, that's what I do. I, I try to go to events. I try to go to at least three or four events over the summer. Um, you know, I also really enjoy going to events. So, Whatever I can, I go because it's like the most fun. You know, you get to sit and watch lacrosse all day. I mean, what's what's not that's great it. about and that's that? What, that's where camps have been good for me um, and getting a few interests here and there. And then, like you said, I mean, Auburn itself does does the selling for itself. Uh, we get guys all the time. I mean, I've got a spreadsheet of probably 30 to 40 guys that have reached out and said – um, you know, between the 2020 and 2021 class, um, you know, that they're coming to Auburn and they want to play. And, and like you said, you know, probably 10 of them will actually show up and pan out and make the team. Um, but just to have that, that number of people that you have to kind of vet, like you said, um, and make sure they're the right fit, especially as, you know, as we're trying to really establish this culture and, and make it stick you got to make sure that you've got the right guys in there um, that are going to help you and, and help teach these freshmen kind of to fall in line and let them know, like, this is how we do it. And, you know, if we want to win, we're, we're going to stick with it. Yeah, I think one of the, the coolest things that I've done that I have found success with, and I did this at Sonoma a little bit, and I've expanded a little bit of tech, but was um, creating a leadership group 
So, in fact, when we we hang up, I'll be getting on a Zoom call with with those guys, and we talk pretty much either every week or every other week, and we just talk about the team and and it keeps that line of communication open and also helps be able to set the standard for your freshmen. So like if you, if you, since we don't have the time to vet everybody, it gives you a chance to kind of like mold them in the fall, deal with any sort of like potential issues. And then by the time spring rolls around, you know, you kind of ironed out most yeah. of those issues. So hope, hopefully, um, but yeah, that's a good, good question, man. I'm glad you asked. So, uh, but let's talk about Auburn and, in you know, 2021 is coming around the corner, and it sounds like you're excited for it. I'm excited for you guys. The playoff, what's the playoff uh, structure going to be in the SLC? We don't know yet. yet. We got to vote for it in the fall. Um, it looks like you know it's kind of been um, decided. We're we're looking at a quarterfinal weekend. We haven't decided if it's at a neutral site or if if the higher seeds hosting, um, and then we'll have a semifinal final weekend that'll pair up with division two um in a in a neutral spot probably atlanta at least for this first year so um but all those will be voted on uh in our fall meeting in september so we'll know then officially just because we haven't been able to get everybody on a call um at one time but you know as we've taken preliminary votes um that seems to be the the um consensus general consensus so but yeah i mean we've got um it, it's crazy you know i feel like the week after covid hit you know i started getting emails from people saying all right let's start playing in 2021 i'm like man i haven't even called all my guys yet like 2020 is right. not over i can't even think about 2021 but it's crazy to think that here we are in june about halfway through and i pretty much already got my schedule filled out you know i've got two or three missing pieces i've got to fill in but other than that like we're done which is nuts uh yes it's it's definitely different are you guys breaking up into two regions then like the north and the south yeah so we'll have a north and a south um auburn is actually going to go south uh because south carolina came it stayed in the SCLC. right and so geographically it kind of just made sense for us to go south and even up have five teams in each um, region. So it's Georgia Tech, Bama, Georgia, Vandy, and South Carolina in the north, and then the Florida Correct. schools and you. And the- yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That makes and- sense. Hey, remember, when, remember when we talked about realignment this past fall and that <laughs> that idea was yeah. floated out there? Yeah, and I wasn't happy about it because I had already had my schedule set up. Um, oh, yeah, I know. But, you know, it, it is what it is, and um, – you know, the Florida schools have been great. Tampa, both Tampa or South Florida and Tampa um, and Central Florida and Orlando, since those are kind of further trips for us, they've agreed to when it's, right. you know, to, to come meet us halfway. So we're going to meet um, South Florida in Gainesville and then uh, play Florida and South Florida there. And then uh, Central Florida is going to come to us. And then we're meeting Florida State in Pensacola. Um, so. Right It'll be good. And then I think Miami's trying to get, get their way back in and there's talks of FAU maybe wanting to bump up to division one. So if that becomes the case and we'll bump back up to the North, like we're fine going wherever. Um, that's kind of the, the expectation I'm trying to set for the guys is, you know, you've got to, we, we got to step up our game and just ready, be ready to play whoever, whenever. 
um, you know, starting the season out playing BYU and FSU last year, you know, I knew we could go 0 and 2, but I, I also knew we could go 1 and 1 or I knew we could go 2 and 0. Um, we ended up going 0 and 2, but right. you know, we had Florida State against the ropes and at BYU we just weren't prepared. And um, but we had a lot of growth there and I think the guys saw that we can compete with the nation's best um, on any given day. So I'm excited for 2021. I think we've got a lot of seniority um, leadership and, and the guys are ready to kind of take over the program and, and ownership of the program. And so knock on wood, hopefully it won't be me, me yelling a lot of the times it'll, it'll be them kind of holding each other accountable. That's great. I love it. Glad to hear. Uh, you want to give us any, uh, little inside info on your schedule for 2021? Uh, off the top of my head, I know. So we go up to Clemson uh, week one, early February, and we're going to play Clemson, and then Pitt is going to meet us there. So, we, again, we've got nice. two so- pretty serious games, you know, to kick off the season again. Um, yeah, it's, it's for you sure. Know, Pitt, Pitt and us had that, that classic Twitter um, – battle in the second round of the national tournament so we're looking for a little redemption because we lost by like 0.01 percent of the vote somehow <laughs> we we clearly suck at social media here at retreat tech because we got bounced in the first well, round. well <laughs> yeah it all depends on your seed i feel like every higher seed was going to win the first round at least and then it was kind of up for grabs after that whoever could rally the twitter troops the most but um, yeah, you know, we're going to keep Georgia on our schedule. We're going to keep Alabama on our schedule. Um, I think those are just two classic football rivalries that the guys love and get fired up for, um, on both sides. Sure. So we're going to play them. Um, I'm trying to think we go down, we play LSU in Pensacola as well as Florida state. Um, and then, you know, UF, USF, Nothing ex- really exciting after that. Um, oh, we've got NC State coming too. So NC State will come yeah. down um, early February as well. So some good games. Nice little mix of games. Yeah. I love it. That's good. That'll be fun. So good. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, any any last words for the people before we uh, check out? Oh, I just hope everybody's staying safe and staying hungry. Um, I, I know we're all looking forward to being back and just having some sense of normalcy. So, you know, prayers to everybody from wherever their situation is, wherever they live, and um, looking forward to 2021. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Coach. Really appreciate it. And Thank you all for listening to Stall Warning. Rate us, review us, subscribe. You can find us on anywhere you can find your podcast. You can follow us on social media at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram and at 101 Lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, see ya.